Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Well, Jay and Joy flew out to, uh, I believe it's Vacaville, California. Vacaville? Okay. Um, not from the area, so I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> okay. They went to a conference, um, and Mark Crawford will be meeting them there, so they're planning to have a few good days with Mark and at this conference. Then they'll be flying back Wednesday. So we can pray for them that they'll have a refreshing, renewing time and that um, God will speak into their lives and speak to us as a body. Well, tonight I want to talk with you briefly. One of the songs we just sang had a line in it that could be the, the title for my message tonight. Now I live to bring him praise. What a great song. So I want to talk tonight about this subject of praise. So as I began to, to study for this message tonight, a few weeks ago actually, I was overwhelmed with how much material there is in both Scripture. I've got a stack of books at home written by worship leaders and others about the subject of praise and worship. There's just so much. So the biggest challenge tonight was to try to select from that what I believed we needed to hear tonight. So here's what I'm going to share. I'm going to start with First um, Peter chapter 2. You might turn in your Bibles there. I don't have a PowerPoint tonight. I apologize for that. I was uh, almost late to service tonight because I was still working on getting my notes where I thought they w- I wanted them to be, and they're still not there. <laughs> so anyway, we'll just have to trust God and ask him to, to lead us tonight. But in First Peter chapter 2, there are two particular verses I'd like to draw your attention to. Verse 5 says, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then in verse 9, Peter says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I want to zero in on some phrases within those two verses. Peter wrote that we are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ and that we are a royal priesthood that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, we're a holy priesthood Because we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and are being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We have been bought 
with the precious blood of Jesus. We are no longer our own to do whatever we want. We have been set apart unto God to seek first his kingdom and do his will. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 tells us that God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. So we are a holy priesthood. Peter says we're a royal priesthood. And why is that? Because we have been born again into the family of our king. Our heavenly father is our king. We are in the royal family. Now that gives us certain royal privileges. But along with it come royal responsibilities. This just came to me, so I'll share it with you. What does a king do? He governs, he reigns. We as his children are to reign in life. We are not to be under the thumb of anybody. But we are to reign in life. When we meet together, we need to realize that we are all priests and that God wants each of us to bring a spiritual sacrifice and proclaim his praises. I'm going to quote something from Bob Sorge, who wrote a book called Exploring Worship. He said, most Christians attend church not with an attitude of contributing but with the purpose of getting as much out of the service as they possibly can. But if we truly believe that all Christians are active members of the New Testament priesthood, that all of us are ministers before and unto the Lord, then we must begin to accept the proper responsibility for our role as ministers in the congregation. We are all Christ's ministers and priests unto the Lord our God. The first and foremost responsibility of every worshiper is to minister unto the Lord. Psalm 150 verse 1 in the King James Version says, Praise ye the Lord. Okay, every one of you. Praise ye the Lord. The responsibility to praise and worship does not rest on our pastor or the worship team. Now, I appreciate these guys. I appreciate the fact that they, they come nearly every Thursday night, and then they come early before we have a service, and they get ready to lead us into praise and worship. All right, Sorge goes on, it is my responsibility, your responsibility, the responsibility of each person to offer up an individual sacrifice of praise to the Lord. So you could say that we are all members or a part of the worship team. The whole church is supposed to be the worship team. Do you realize that our worship team, okay, I just went through that, sorry. Um, 
Our worship team meets every week, but let me ask you a question. Do you prepare yourself before you come to meet with the church to bring your own offering of praise? I can't say that I always do. You know, I'm human too, and I sometimes get in a rush, and, it, you know, things happen. I understand that. We're all, we're all uh, weak human beings. But I have found two keys to help me prepare to enter into praise and worship. The first is to prepare my heart and mind before the service through prayer, meditation on the word, and listening to praise CDs. I don't listen to praise CDs as much anymore because I don't have very far to come. I used to drive to a church that was a good 30 minutes away, so we would listen to something often, and our hearts were already exalting the Lord before we ever got there. I need to be focused on the Lord and have my heart in tune with the Lord before I arrive. Now, a second thing that I've learned is that I need to deal with any sin that I'm aware of in my life before the service. I've found that if there are any unresolved issues between the Lord and me, it's difficult to enter into praise. You know, I'm, I'm glad to say I'm not walking in as much condemnation at this stage of my life as I used to. I'm really grateful. I'm trying to become more obedient, and as you're more obedient, you're, there's less to be condemned about, you know. Um, as you get free, there's less to be, you know, you have less bondage in your life, and there's just not as much ammunition the enemy has against you. But if there is anything, and there, there is, I don't, again, I'm not trying to say that I am perfect, but when there's something wrong between me and God, I need to get it settled before I get here. Um, if I don't do that, I can't come to him with a clear conscience. But when I do prepare my heart and deal with my sin before the service, I'm able to dive right in to the river of God and give him the offering of praise he so richly deserves. Well, that's an important part of our praise life. But as important as our praise and worship in our times together are, I want to focus tonight on praise in our personal lives. <clears throat> David, the man after God's own heart, wrote in Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, if we're to bless the Lord at all times and praise him continually, we will bless and praise him when we're not in a worship service. We, that means sometimes we will praise him when we are alone. Our praise when we are alone, however, may be different than what we do when we are together, particularly if you're not a singer or a musician. Now, some of us, I'm not a great singer, but I do enjoy singing. Some of us may not even enjoy singing. 
even when we're by ourselves. And I hope that's not true of you. The scripture says in the King James Version, it's not as accurate a translation, I don't think, as others, but it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. A better translation of that is probably make a joyful shout to the Lord. But you may or may not feel comfortable singing, but that's not really the point. Praise does not require music. Music can be a great help, and we've all enjoyed singing our praises. I certainly did tonight. The Psalms tell us to sing praises unto God. But sometimes the music becomes the focus of what we're doing rather than God himself. I think if that happens, we've stepped out of praise. We may have been making beautiful music, but it isn't praise. We may find ourselves enjoying the music and singing songs, but not singing praises. The Lord wants us to make our songs a praise from our hearts unto him. But when we're not singing, if you don't sing when you're alone, how do we praise God without singing? Well, let's look again at 1 Peter 2.9. It says, Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The NIV translates the word proclaim as declare. In other words, we can speak his praises. Now, the book of Psalms is a rich treasure of praise to God. The Hebrew title for the book actually means praises. David wrote at least 73 of the 150 psalms. I say at least because 61 psalms are anonymous. We don't know who wrote them. They may have been David, may have been someone else. And there are at least five other authors. But a lot of these were written by David, particularly the ones I'm looking at tonight. When we speak our praises directly to God, we can praise him for who he is, what he has done, or what we believe he will do in the future. To praise him for who he is, we must know him. And the more we know him, the more we will praise him. Now, many times in the Psalms, we see the phrase, you are followed by a description of who God is to the psalmist. I summarized a list of the descriptions I found in 47 verses. Now, there may be others, and I recall a couple of descriptions that I didn't include tonight, but let me read you what I came up with, just what the psalmist said. Lord, you are the God of my salvation. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. 
You are my Father, my Lord, my God, and my King. You are near, and you are with me. You are my strength, my rock, and my fortress, my hiding place, my shield, my help, and my deliverer, my hope, my trust, my strong refuge, my portion. In the land of the living, and my exceeding joy. Did you notice the word, my? (laughs) I said it a few times. Notice that the psalmists are telling God who he is to them personally. They have experienced him in the ways that I just read to you. Now, some other descriptions of God, perhaps a little bit less personal, but listen to this. Lord, you formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You are the same, and your years will have no end. You are the most high over all the earth and are on high forevermore. You are exalted far above all gods. You are awesome, glorious, and excellent clothed with honor and majesty and to be feared. You are the God who does wonders. You are very great and do wondrous things. You are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. You are full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. You are righteous, holy, And you are enthroned. You are enthroned in the praises of your people. Again, the King James Version there says he inhabits the praises of his people. So now I have a question for you. Who have you found God to be in your relationship with him. Is he the God of your salvation? Can you say with the psalmist, you are my father, my Lord, my God, and my king? Can you say all the things that I read a little bit ago? If you can, and you speak that to God from your heart, that is praise. Now, there are also many verses in the Psalms in which the psalmist praise God for what he has done. I cannot begin to list all of those for you. I was listening to a series by Pastor John Stocker. He said there are 151 times in the Psalms where the word says, Thou hast. He taught from the King James. I try not to do that to people. I don't like to translate. 
personal bias there, but thou hast, you have. So I chose just a handful of verses to read for you. Psalm 17, 3, you have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. This next one is a favorite of John Stocker's because it was so true of his life. Ten years before he gave the message <clears throat> that I'm referring to, he had had bypass surgery. He could have died. Thankfully, God raised him up. But in Psalm 30, verses 1 to 3, the psalmist says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. I'm grateful I haven't had to... Uh, claim that particular verse. I mean, I've had some, you know, health issues all of us do from time to time, but nothing life-threatening. How about this one? You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Psalm 118.21 says, I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Again, when we see that the psalmists are speaking of what God had done for them, they were speaking of what he had done for them personally. They had real relationships with the living God and had developed a personal history with him. So my question for you and for myself is, what has God done for you? What is your history with God? See, when you can look back on your life and say, God protected me. God healed me. God provided for me. God gave me a great wife. God gave me beautiful children and grandchildren. God has worked in their lives and drawn them closer to him. God is raising them up to be servants in the kingdom of God. When you look at your life, if you can say that kind of thing about what God has done in your life, then you have something to praise him for. Now, we've been looking at how to praise the Lord when we are together and when we're alone, but how do we praise God when we're with other people who are not praising him? For example, at work, at school, out in the grocery store. What did David say? 
I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, how do you do that? It may not be appropriate to sing or even speak praise in those situations. And there are times when we have to focus on the business at hand, whether, with other, whether we're with other people or we're by ourselves. Failure to pay attention could be hazardous to your health at least. So how do we go about doing that? Well, I was thinking about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, where Paul wrote that we should pray continually. Again, how do you do that? So we have the same difficulty with both prayer and praise. And I believe God gave us part of the answer through Paul in Ephesians 5.19. Paul said, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. We should learn to carry on a continual conversation with the Lord, which includes both prayer and praise. I'm not sure I can get all the facts quite right, but I remember the general idea of a video I saw of Corey Tinboom. How many people know who she is? Most of you? Okay. As I remember, she was Dutch, and uh, during World War II, she and her family hid Jews, and they were later discovered, and she went to a concentration camp. God preserved her through that traumatic time. But many years later, she was being interviewed, and she was talking about her relationship with the Lord. And it's like she's always carrying on a conversation with God, always. So you might be talking to somebody or maybe a group of people, but there ought to be this continual connection between us and the living God. We ought to be listening and in our heart expressing, like right now, quite honestly. I'm just saying, okay, God, where do we go from here? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just trying to, to be real with you. And we need to be people who have this kind of an ongoing conversation. Um, another challenge that we're going to face you see praising God when everything is going well is relatively easy you know the bills are paid health is good relationships are good relatively easy to praise God in those circumstances. When we come here and we have the worship team leading us, it's pretty easy. But what happens when we begin to face problems? And we all will. Jesus promised that. You will have tribulation. 
When David wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth, he was committing himself to praise the Lord no matter what he faced in life. In Psalm 57, 7, David wrote, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. In the King James Version, the phrase is, my heart is fixed. And he didn't mean by that, it's been repaired. <laughs> Although it has been, God has healed our hearts, or is in the process of doing that if we allow him to. But fixed is like, my eye is on the goal, and that's where I'm going, and I'm not going to let anything stop me. And my goal is to praise my God. <clears throat> when, our, when our hearts are fixed on God, we keep our eyes on Him rather than our circumstances. We see any problems we face through God's eyes rather than seeing God through the eyes of our problem. Did you get that? If you look at your problem through God's eyes, what's the problem? Really? He's God. Is there anything he can't handle? On the other hand, if you look at God through the eyes of your problem, Things are a mess. Your vision of God is distorted. You can't see who he really is. You don't see his power. You don't see his ability to meet your needs. You don't see what he wants to do for you. All you see is the mess right in front of you. When that happens, it becomes difficult. Praise God. We sure don't feel like praising God. So at times like this, we need to remember what Hebrews 13, 15 says. Therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. See, we can bring a sacrifice of praise to God when we don't feel like praising him. Our natural mind may tell us there is no reason to praise God since he hasn't taken care of our problem for us. But does our problem change who God is? It costs us something to bring this sacrifice of praise. We have to do what David did. In Psalm 103, verse 1, David wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You see, David had determined in his inner man that God was worthy of his praise and commanded his soul to bless the Lord. Now, the phrase, all that is within me, would include 
the soul, and the heart. Pastor John Stocker again taught me many years ago that the heart is the control center of the soul. And then the soul includes our mind, our will, and our emotions. But everything that comes out of the soul is produced by the heart. So that is why Proverbs 4.23 is such an important verse to understand and obey. We need to camp here for a little bit until we really get this. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now, the word keep is translated watch over. By the way, I normally use the New King James Version, but the New American Standard says watch over your heart. The NIV says guard your heart. So keep Watch over, guard your heart. Are you catching how vital this is? How serious God is about this? Why is that? Because everything comes out of your heart. And if the wrong things are in our hearts, the wrong things are going to come out of our lives and out of our mouths. Keep your heart with all diligence. The English Standard Version says vigilance. So it's not something you take lightly and just, eh, whatever. You're diligent, you're vigilant. When you think about vigilance, think of someone who's guarding a prisoner. Okay. I used to take people to court all the time. And when I first started working as a court officer, they didn't wear leg irons. So I'd take these guys to court, or gals, take their handcuffs off, they'd have a seat. If I got careless, wasn't watching them, and they decided to make a break for the door, guess what? They might get away from me. I might be out of a job. Okay? Because that is my job at that point, is to be vigilant. They start to make a move, and I say, mm, I'm ready. Don't do that. Okay? So when something begins to come into your heart, you need to discern is this from God or is it not? If it's from God, welcome it in. If it's not, it's like, no. You don't have access to my heart. I'm not letting you in. I don't want your destruction. The word for diligence or vigilance refers to a prison guard. Prison guards are responsible for keeping prisoners in the prison. 
They're not as concerned about what comes into the prison unless it relates to getting somebody out of the prison. Okay, you don't want contraband like weapons coming in because they could be used to break somebody out. So when we think about that and apply that to our hearts, keep the good stuff in your heart. Be vigilant to guard your heart and make sure that what's in there is the right thing. You know, and I've found that when I do that, there's not much room for bad stuff. See, if I am full of the Holy Spirit, what else is there room for? Now, how does this relate to praise? Jesus gave us a principle in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can tell what's in someone's heart by what they talk about and how they talk about it. I can also tell what's in my heart. So if things come out of my mouth that are displeasing to God, it's like, um, it's time for a heart check. There's a problem here. I've allowed something in. God needs to get me free of this because I don't want this. But on the other hand, if my heart is full of love for God, faith in God, trust in God, confidence in God, knowledge of who he is and what he has done for me, what's the natural result? Praise. Okay? Now, another part of our being that I think we need to give some attention to is our minds. I uh, was talking with somebody this week and just made an offhand comment that I don't have a television. Well, actually, I have a television, but it's not hooked up to TV. Sometimes I watch a DVD or a video or something like that. But I don't take television broadcasts. And the comment was kind of like, well, that's unusual. But you're smart. My comment to her was, yeah, I really don't want all that garbage in my brain. I don't want that trash. I don't have young kids anymore at home that I have to have the remote in my hand and click it off when something comes on. It's like, that's disgusting. That's perverse. Philippians 
Paul says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's the English Standard Version. The uh, New King James says, meditate on these things. It was all positive, right? Good stuff. The battle for our minds is won or lost by what we focus our attention on. One more time. The battle for our minds is won or lost by what we focus our attention on. So we need to make sure that whatever we're focusing on is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Hmm, worthy of praise. So if we're thinking about Jesus, who's certainly worthy of praise, we're thinking about the Father, we're thinking about the Spirit, who are worthy of praise, that's a good thing. Another verse about our minds in Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. And the word peace is the word shalom, which means wholeness. Includes health, prosperity. You will keep him in perfect shalom, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So we need, again, remember that my heart is steadfast, my heart is fixed. Here's my mind being stayed on. You could say steadfast or fixed, okay? Now, there may be a battle in our minds and hearts when we bless and praise the Lord in spite of what we see with our natural eyes. Okay, what we're seeing as we're looking at our lives is not good. We just lost our job. A loved one died. Someone got really sick. Had a car crash. You know, things happen. So when we see those things and we experience the emotions that go with those things, there's a battle raging to, to find out what we are going to do in this situation. If we turn our focus to God and begin to see our problems through his eyes, we begin to see that he is the most high over all the earth. He is exalted far above all gods. He is awesome, glorious, and clothed with honor and majesty. He is the great God who does wondrous things. He's well able to deal with whatever's in front of us. We begin to see our problems through his eyes and realize that he is able and eager to solve our problems. 
then our souls begin to make their boast in the Lord, and we begin to magnify the Lord rather than our problems and invite everyone around us to magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That's the life of victory. We begin to realize that the enemy of our souls was trying to deceive us by getting our eyes off of our Savior and Deliverer, our refuge and our fortress. We begin to see that the enemy was leading us into despair because we had stopped believing that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You see, when we allow the enemy to poison our minds about the goodness of our God and we begin to doubt and question the goodness of God, it always wreaks havoc. David wrote in Psalm 27, verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you believe that? Do you believe you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? In other words, you're not going to have to wait until you die and you're in God's presence to see the goodness of the Lord. You're going to see the goodness of the Lord now. If the enemy can convince you that you will not see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, then he can bring discouragement and despair into your life. He wants to convince you that he has already won. So you'll just give up. Okay, I won't go there. <laughs> I had an illustration, but maybe not. James 4, 7, and 8 tells us how to defeat the enemy. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I'm not sure if you've thought about this, but I believe one of the best ways to resist the devil is to praise the Lord. Devil, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to destroy my health, but my God is my healer. I see you trying to destroy My finances, that car crash I just had, and the washing machine just broke down, and I just lost my job, but God, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. We need to stand firm in our faith. You see, it is our faith that overcomes the world. And when we're full of faith, we will praise our God.
I just want to read a couple verses here to you. You know, when you find yourself growing weary and weak, David wrote Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen: wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So if your heart is weary, if your heart is being challenged, wait on the Lord. Let him come and reveal himself to you. And he will strengthen your heart. Then I want to just close with this praise from Psalm 103. We looked at verse 1. First five verses say this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. There are so many great and beautiful psalms. I can't even begin. There are old topics I wanted to share with you tonight, but there's just no time. There's just no way we can do it. So instead, I want to do this. I want to ask you to do something. This is the last day of this month. Tomorrow is a new month. 30 days in that month. I want to give you a 30-day challenge. Read five psalms every day. And you'll have all 150 read. Now, I'll caution you. Psalm 117 has two verses. But Psalm 119 has 176, as I recall. So your reading might take a little longer that day, unless you want to break it up over several days, <laughs> which is probably a good idea. If you have a 31-day month, you can actually skip Psalm 119 and do Psalm 119 on the last day. Or There are all kinds of ways you can approach it. But whether you are successful in doing that or not, I told you that the book of Psalms is called in Hebrew, Praises. So if you want to learn more about how to praise our God, I've got a stack of books at home about that high that I would encourage you to read if you had a chance. But the one book that I would encourage you to read is the book of Psalms. Now there are Psalms, there are praises where they're spread throughout in fact, let me do this as a, as a closing. <clears throat> First Chronicles chapter 29. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you look at these things and it's like, man, I didn't know that was in there. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV tonight. Okay, First Chronicles 29, 10 to 13. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying,
Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious. Your glorious name. So, Father, right now we do. We just lift up our hearts to you. You know, if you're not too uncomfortable with it, we love you around here. Just start speaking to God. Just start speaking your praises. Don't worry about what somebody else around you thinks. They don't need to hear what you're saying. But if they do hear it, I might bless them. Let's just worship the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. God, we praise you because you are our king. You are our eternal God. You are the God who saved us, who healed us, who delivered us. God, you are the God who provides for us. You love us, God. Your mercy, your tender mercies toward us are incredible. God, we just thank you for all that you have done for us. God, you are so good. You are so great, and we just worship you. Amen. Praise God. Well, I hope that was a blessing to you. Um, as I said, there is so much I would liked, would have liked to have shared with you. Um, I have just whole topics that could probably be weeks of teaching on this subject because it's just so vast. I mean, how vast is our God? You know, so if we're going to praise the true and living God, there's no end to it. Well, do you know, anybody else have anything you feel led to share tonight? John? One thing. In Isaiah 26, 3, he whose mind is stayed. Now, the word stay is a nautical term. It's the picture image of casting an anchor and staying the boat, staying the ship. It's not going anywhere. It's staying right there.